0: Well, how many of us, how many of us have a difficult person in our lives? Okay. How many of us, by a show of hands, their difficult person is today... No, I'm not going to go there. (laughs) You may have that difficult person with you today in your mind. In their mind, you may, they may have that difficult person with them today. You may have a mother-in-law issue. You may have, as a teenager, a parent issue. You may have a boss who's a difficult person. All of us, from time to time, have difficult people that we get stuck with, don't we? And some of us, that difficulty is more pronounced and more profound than with others. This morning, we're going to get some help dealing with uh, or at times when we're stuck uh, those of you who are stuck in that situation in dealing with that difficult person I remember when I was in college my roommate, first roommate I had and, and at the college I went to Mid-America Christian University there was a commons area you shared a room with four guys but you each had an individual bedroom and then there was a, a commons area and there was a bathroom that you shared and a, a, a place to get ready and then a, a shower uh, area as well And so my roommate, again, this first roommate I had when I was in college, took me one day into the bathroom where the shower was. And he took a towel, and he began to explain to me the right way to dry off after you take a shower. (laughs) So that you didn't get water spots on the floor. True story. (laughs) All of us have difficult people that we sometimes struggle with, okay? So, I want to, this morning, just offer up a little book to you as we think about dealing with our difficult person, or that person that pushes our buttons, a little book called Handling Difficult People. Now, it doesn't have a lot of pictures, but it's not very long, okay? (laughs) So, it is a, a, I would recommend that book up to you by uh, Dr. Henry, or John Townsend, who's a Christian psychologist, and we're going to be borrowing some thoughts from from Dr. Townsend, and also, of course, from Scripture. Let me open up, let's open up our, the Bible, if you have it with you, and hopefully, if you didn't bring yours, you can take one in the pew in front of you to Matthew, the fifth chapter. To get some help, what does Jesus tell us about difficult people? In Matthew 5, verse 43, he starts off by saying this, you've heard that it was said to love your neighbor and hate your enemy. We could maybe insert the word, uh, the difficult person, or to hate your button pusher, or whatever. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Skipping down to verse 46. If you love those who love you, what reward reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing that? So this morning, let's get real practical on how we can get some help dealing with Jesus called them enemies, those difficult people, those people that sometimes don't give us the love back that, uh, that we would give them. How are we to approach those relationships? First, Jesus says we should love those people, not just the people that love us back. Another thing that we need to talk about as a foundation for our time this morning is a passage in Matthew, the seventh chapter. So if you turn over just a couple chapters... And Jesus encourages in a little different way, and he says this. He says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, Let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and you will see clearly to remove the speck From your brother's eye. This morning, two things. We need to love those people that don't love us back. Those difficult people, those button pushers in our lives. We need to love them. The other thing we need to understand right up front as we're talking about dealing with those people is the realization that sometimes all of us in the right situation, we are. We become that difficult person. Because all of us, maybe we've got a plank in our eye. Maybe we've got a speck in our eye. But as we think this morning about how to deal with that other person we must be cognizant of the fact that we have our own issues as well. And so let us not just focus on how to deal with that person without not also today asking God at the same time, God, how can you help me take the plank out of my own eye? So let's get into it. How can we get some help dealing with those difficult people in our lives? Help number one, we must first invite God in. Uh, Around our house, as as with all of our homes, from time to time, at the Culp House, we have issues. We have things that break, things that go wrong, things that need repaired, things that need parts changed. And we, uh, the Culp Household, make a list. Crystal puts things on a list. I put things on a list. The boys may put things on a list. And we call, from time to time, an expert in to help us knock out that list. The expert's name is Richard. He's my (laughs) father-in-law. He's the guy, the expert that I call in to get some help. God is the expert in relationships. God is the expert on people, right? Not only do we need God's help to help get the planks and the specks out of our own eyes, but we also need God's help to help that person, that other person. We need to pray, God, God I invite you into this situation with this difficult person, and I pray that you would work in their life. Listen to what God's Word said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. So, for those of you who have that difficult person, do you hear what what the Scripture says about God? God is in the business of changing people. God is in the business of helping difficult people to change. That's what he does. And so... God can help that person learn to deal with others in healthy ways. God can help you deal with that person in, a hel- in healthy ways. God desires change in that difficult person even more than you desire it. He wants the best for all of us. We see that over and over in scriptures. And he knows what makes us tick. He knows what we need and he knows what their need. His help this morning as we think about it. How do we deal with this difficult person? We, it is vital that we get God's help. Now think about it. God has, from the very beginning of time, from Adam and Eve, he's been dealing with difficult people. He knows us. He's the expert on the subject. And if he gets involved, he of anybody can help us get unstuck out of the situation that we're in. God is in the business of restoring relationships. There's a great passage in, in just a couple of verses down from that passage in 2 Corinthians in the 19th verse, the 5th chapter, where it says this of God. God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. He has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Reconciliation, two parties that are at odds with each other, God has given them the, the given us The message of reconciliation. That's what he was doing in Christ, he says, reconciling mankind to himself, fixing the relationship problem that all of us have. And so God has given us also. What does he say? This message, or some of your version says, the ministry of reconciliation, our role in this world, is to make right broken relationships. And so if God has called us to do it, if he's told us please do this, then we can rest assured that he will absolutely help us. So, first step. We need to invite God in. God told us to do it. If he told us to do it, he's going to help us with it. Invite, with it. Invite God in. The second thing that we need to do is we need to grow personally. Go back to that passage where it says, some of you have a speck in your eye, some of you have a plank in your eye. And so as we're getting help with this difficult person, we must live with the reality that there are things, there are specks, and there are planks that we constantly need to take out of our own eyes. So in this process of getting some help to deal with this other person, we need to ask God to help us to grow personally. To grow into the image of his son, his son who is perfect in all his relationships. What does it look like to interact in healthy, God-honoring ways? Look at Jesus. And how can we become more and more conformed to the image of Christ? We must be ready to grow ourselves as we work with this person. Dr. Townsend said this in that little book I offered up to you. He said, there is something to be said for a life so full that empty people desire what we have something to be said for a life so full that empty people desire what we have that's what we need we need to be so on fire so different so out of the norm from the way other people react and interact that when we love people that are unlovable that they're going to want to see and to to to, to change their own behavior when they see us so we can never fully expect that person to change and to have behavior like we want unless we are modeling that behavior for them. So unless we are that, unless we become that kind of person, unless we, uh, unless we are growing to become that kind of person, or, or maybe we're there or maybe we're growing that way, that's the picture that we want to paint for that person so they can want what we have. But unfortunately, sometimes that button pusher, and do you have that person in your mind? It's that person, if you were stuck in traffic, bumper-to-buffer traffic, it's the one person that you wouldn't want to be with. That's your button pusher. That's your difficult person. So if you got that person in your mind, how many times does that person drag us down into the, the kind of behavior that we detest in them? How many times does that person drag us into behavior just like they are giving us? I don't know if you guys... I'm, I love to watch the news and see what's going on in our world. Uh, it's, it's kind of funny. It's, it's sad at the same time. But this little squabble that, that uh, Donald Trump and Rosie O'Donnell have had. If you've watched that uh, unfold. Here are two people. They're at the top of their game. These are, these are people that, that, that uh, millions of people look up to as models in different areas. You know, and they've all both got their issues. But anyway, the other people. there are a lot of people that look up to them. Uh, but at the same time, are These people when you get them together They're oil and water One person just It's like a couple of two year olds fighting They drag each other down On that, on that lower level And if we're as we, as we think about dealing with this difficult person We must be committed to grow personally To model for them what we expect Of them or what we want to see In them Becoming what we are asking Of that difficult person And again remembering that Jesus told us to get the speck, get the plank out of our own eye first. And even if we think that that other person's got the plank and I've got the speck, I've still got a speck. I've still got some things that I could be working on. And so you must be committed to growth. At the end of the day we have to have the reality, we need to live with the reality that we cannot change that person. We can only change ourselves. So we must be committed to do everything that we can in this relationship to change ourselves and be that role model for them, both healthy, being healthy emotionally and relationally. The next thing I would throw out to us, piece of advice for handling that difficult person, is that we need to find other people in our lives who are safe and sane. Now, I didn't say safe and secure but that are safe and sane okay we've said it before we need each other god wired us up to do life best when we do it in the context of community when we do it in the context of in relationship with other people and so we need to find those people in our lives that are safe and sane crystal helps me from time to time she's david you, when you when you're talking to the boys you get that face you have that, and she calls it a scowl. You get that scowl on your face. And so, and, and so I, you know, she just helps me to kind of lighten up a little bit. Do I, I don't do that, do I, Caleb? Scowl. Uh, <laughs> sometimes we need someone outside of ourselves to help us see some things. Well, Chris and I have, have, have worked and helped and tried to be there for some people that have some marriage issues occasionally. And sometimes one of the most helpful things that you can do is, as that outside person, is to be able to say to that, you know that you, when you're in, because you're a safe person with that individual. When you're with your, with your spouse, you're saying these things about them, but do you realize the way that, what you do? If I was married to you, I'd be irritated by it, and I know they're irritated by it. We need people in our lives that can share with us, that are a safe place, that can share truth with us. Is again, when we think about how can we deal with this difficult person, we need individuals, maybe it's a small group that we get help from that can help hold us accountable, that can help us to draw boundaries in our lives, that can help us. Maybe we could say to this group, when I start to cross a boundary, when I start to cross a line in my relationship with this person and I get out of context, can you help me? Can you hold me accountable? We need those kind of people or a group like that that can help us to give us that we give permission to say sometimes difficult things to us that will be helpful to us as we deal with that difficult person. Scripture says this in Galatians 6.2, Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. How many, I'm sure a lot of you have seen the movie Lord of the Rings, and that trilogy. Chris and I, when we were married, first married, we read... Uh, J.R.R. Tolkien's *Lord of the Rings*. This before we had cable, we read that whole trilogy to each other. Shows you how weird we are. Um. We read that, and it's a great story. But here, the story is this: here's Frodo, this little hobbit, and he's got this. They he, he has this ring, and the ring has the power to destroy everything that's good and wonderful in this little Middle Earth world that they live in. And so there's a plan, and the plan is the Fellowship of the Rings is to go take this ring to the one place where it can be destroyed, Mount Doom. And we take the ring. Frodo, the little hobbit guy, takes the ring, throws it in Mount Doom, and that's the only place that it can be destroyed. So we can bring peace and. Back to the world. Sam is Frodo's friend. Gets to the end of the movie. And Sam and Frodo are at the base of Mount Doom. You see them climbing up Mount Doom. They're at the base of Mount Doom. And Frodo says to Sam, Sam, I can't go on. I can't carry it any longer. I can't do it. And Sam, his friend, says this. He says, Frodo, I can't carry the ring myself. But I can carry you as you carry the ring. And you see in one of those pictures, Sam carrying Frodo up that mountain. That's what we're talking about. We need a person in our lives. They can't be in that situation with that difficult person. They are, they are not you. They can't be you. But they can carry you during that difficult relationship. They can help you. That's what we're talking about. A person that is that safe and sane person that you can get help from. Now, sometimes that's the context of a friend. Maybe it's the context of a small group, which we have a lot of wonderful small groups here. It may be that you need more professional help. It may be that you need one of our Stevens ministers. We have a group of people that their role, their ministry here at First Church is to walk alongside people to carry, help you carry your burden through a difficult time. And if that's going through a difficult season with a difficult person, then there are people that would love to help you. So if you need someone in a more intense way, Come talk to Pastor Confer. He could hopefully set you up with a Stevens minister. There is also help for those of you who know people that are in addictive. Maybe you're in a relationship where that person has some addiction. Or maybe that person is you. You have that addiction and it's destroying your relationship. You are, because of that addiction, that difficult person. We would love to help you in a, more, uh, in, in a, in a program that happens here on Sunday nights. Called, uh, Reco- what's it called? Co- Celebrate Recovery. Thank you. Uh, celebrate recovery. And the, the third little piece, for those of you who need it, there's a, we have a relationship, a close relationship with a counseling center here in the area in the town, Southwest Medical Center, where we have a relationship where if you need professional help, you can get help. So don't go it alone. Find a place, find a group, find an individual that can be a safe, sane place for you to get the help that you need with this difficult person. The next thing I would throw out to us, the next step to get help with your button pusher you're a difficult person, is you need to take a stance. Not take a stand, but take a stance. Now, let me explain what a stance is. A stance, put in very simple terms, is a view, a point of view that we have towards another person. It's a broad, guiding attitude that helps direct you in your relationship with other person. Let me give you an example. Let me tell you what my stance is toward the Green Bay Packers. I'm a Green Bay Packers fan, if you didn't get the memo, okay? My stance toward the Green Bay Packers is I believe, that I believe in the Green Bay Packers. I think they are the best football organization in, in, in all of the National Football League. I, I think that they're great because they're the only team that's owned by the fans. The little town, a little area of Green Bay, they actually own the team. There's not some conglomerate. There's not some rich uh, you know, rich guy that owns the team. The community owns the team. What a wonderful concept. This small market, like a family kind of environment. I love the Packers. My, another part of my stance with the Packers is I believe in the Packers. I want to be a Packer fan when they're doing good and when they're doing bad. I'm going to be a Packer fan when they're winning games and when they're losing games. I believe in the Packers, so I'm going to, through thick and thin, I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna be supportive of the Packers. You Lions fans know what I'm talking about. <laughs> How many Lions fans do we have? Okay. You know. You know what I mean, don't you? You Lions fans who, um, uh, you know, despite the fact that your team has never won the Super Bowl, you are supportive. You raised your hand in a public place today. That's awesome. <laughs> Despite the fact that your team has never even been to the Super Bowl, you are supportive. Despite the fact that most of the people that play on your team today, on, the, the, on, the, on your team this year, can't even spell the word Super Bowl, you are still, you are still supportive. Um, was, was that just one statement a little too far? Okay, I'm sorry. But you, you understand what I mean. That's, you know, we have, uh, we take, we need to take a stance. And some of the things that we need as we think about uh, the stance that we should have with this difficult person is that we must want what is best for them. We must want what is best both for them and in our relationship together with that individual. Because we are living as models of Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, when he dealt with people, Always wanted what was best for the other person. And so our stance should be, I want what is best for that other person. The other thing that I would say when we're we're thinking about wanting what is the best for that person is it does not mean that we look the other way at bad behavior. That is not wanting what's best. It does not mean that when there's some addictive, destructive behavior that we ignore that. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what it means to want the best for them. The next part of of understanding what it means to have a stance and what part of some, of some of the pieces of what our stance should be is that I should believe that my continued growth is good both for me and for us, for them. So my continued growth is best. And so I believe that's part of my stance that I need to continue to grow. The third piece of my stance is that, that I'm going to give that person freedom freedom to improve in their relationship with me or freedom to stay like they are or freedom even to regress that I can't change them I can only work on myself and I'm going to do everything that I can but at but I'm going to draw the line and I'm going to give them freedom in that relationship as part of my stance another piece of that stance should be that I will be willing when the time is appropriate to confront my button pusher my difficult person when needed Imagine a teenager who breaks curfew continually and that parent, let's say it's mom, uh, when that, that teen comes in, she's waiting up and instead of really confronting that teen, it's all about, well, honey, uh, tell me what happened and why are you late and help me to understand and why don't you feel like you can, you can, you can obey the rules and, and that kind of love, mercy, grace is the only part of the relationship that you see in that parent. That's not healthy. Nor is it healthy to have a parent that any time there's some small infraction for, for that parent to continually come down and for there to be no grace or love. Truth and, and, and judgment without the love and the mercy is unhealthy. Love and mercy without at times that confrontation is unhealthy. We must, in this relationship with this difficult person, have both. And so that needs to be part of our stance that if there is a need that when in the time is right, that I will be willing to confront. Proverbs 19, 19 says this, A hot-tempered man must pay the penalty. If you rescue him, you will have to do it again. The next practical step would be dealing with our button pusher, our difficult person, is that we need to use words well. To use words well. In James 1:26, and this is real simple. He doesn't candy coat it. Listen to what James says. If anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. So we need to use our words well. We need to have our tongue under control. He goes on to say, the tongue is like a spark that can start a fire that can destroy an entire forest. The tongue is powerful. The tongue can be very destructive. And we need to make sure that we use our words with some wisdom. We need to make sure that we are saying things that are not making the situation worse. And we need to make sure that we are saying things in the right way so that we're not making the situation worse. And so, not only do we need to use words well, but we need to manage how we use those words. We need to manage our tone. And we all know what it means to speak in that tone. Maybe we've had somebody say to me, don't take that tone with me. Or maybe you've had someone say to you, don't take that tone with me. And so what we mean when we talk about manage that tone is my tone needs to be in keeping or aligned with my stance. So if I believe in that person, I have faith in that person, I love that person, then that's going to affect my tone with that person. I have faith that they can change. I mean, I have the best in, in mind for that person. Our body language is key. We talk thing about tone. UCLA did a study where, that said that up to 93% of our communication is nonverbal. So it's how we say it. It's, it's our body language. It's, it's our facial expressions. It's all of that together. Again, we need to make sure that when we are in contact with our difficult person, our button pusher, that we are being careful not to fuel that fire. So not only need to be careful with the tone, but we also need to control our content. Manage what we are saying. We need to pay attention to that. It's good to use content at times that speaks life into that person. That difficult person that we maybe need to have a difficult, confrontive kind of conversation with, maybe before we have that conversation, we say, you know what? This relationship means something to me. You are important to me. I believe in you. Here's, here, let me just tell you three things that I think are awesome about you. And maybe you could share, throw some, put some life into that person and put, speak some truth and some love into that person and then say, but you know what? I need to talk to you today about this particular issue that I think that we, you and I need to deal with. And so make sure of how you're using your words. One of the most important things that we can say to our button pusher at times is nothing. As we listen to them. As we listen and we hear what they are saying back to us. So use our words well. The next thing would be to act with confidence. We look at scripture and we see that God at times acted with us, his people, with great confidence. He uh, said he warned us and then there came a time when he acted with confidence and told us here's what it's going to be. In Deuteronomy 30 verses 2 and 3 is one of those times. Here's what's said. And when you and your children return to the Lord your God and obey him with all your heart, with all your soul, according to everything I command you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. In other words, on that day when these things happen, here's what I'm going to do. He acts with confidence. And you see in Scripture that God followed through. There, There was a lot of grace and there was a lot of mercy, and he warned and he drew boundaries. But then there were times when those boundaries were crossed and consequences came. And so we, in the same way, need to act with confidence. There is a time that we need to act. And so, maybe part of what we do is to set a boundary with that person. And setting a boundary simply defines who you are and who you are not. You know what? I love you, but I'm not going to stand here while you scream at me and berate me any longer. That's setting a boundary. It's setting a boundary to say to a spouse that's working too much, you know what? It's okay for you to work some overtime, but I can't let you continue to totally neglect the children at the same time. That's setting a boundary. Okay, here is this issue, and here's the line that you can't cross. And once that line is crossed, then there needs to be a communication. Again, acting with confidence, a communication of a consequence. Okay, if this continues to happen, here's what's, what's going to happen as a result. For, and then as we think about that, we need to make sure that, as they say, the time fits the crime. So we can't say to someone, something that's totally, you know, a teenager that, that, that is, is not being, uh, is not coming in on time or whatever, and we say to them, if you don't come in, or maybe they're talking back to, to, to one of the parents, if you talk back one more time, you're grounded till the Cubs win the World Series. You know, so that's totally unrealistic. <laughs> um, so you have to make sure that that consequence is in keeping with the, with the action. So <laughs> make sure also that you're not doing things just to get back at that person. And I'm just, can I just leave a little editorial comment? I'm glad that we can have some fun together. And we can, have, and we can laugh a little bit as we, uh, as we get some truth from God's word uh, together. One of the things, though, that we need to do is to make sure that, again, that we are not just doing something to get back at that person. The motive for our cons- the consequence must be that we want to see the, that, the health of that person. That we want to see that relationship improve. The final thing that I would say is if that boundary continues to get broken and that warning of that consequence has been given, that we must follow through. We've all been around children whose parents warn and warn and warn and warn and, so, and they, they're counting and they're saying this and doing that and you never see any kind of those consequences ever followed through with and we know how, how unhealthy that is for that child. It's the same way with any relationship. We must follow through. The last thing that I would say to us as we get some help to handle those difficult people in our lives is we must commit to the process. If there is no process with that person most of the time they will not get better. Things will not improve. And so that process is usually not a one-time discussion, and then there's radical life change. What usually happens is there needs to be patience, there needs to be persistence in that relationship, encouraging that relationship and the things that you're, you're sharing with that person trying when that person does something when you see some, something positive that you are that you are encouraging them so the part of the process is that as you see something small that you celebrate that even if it's an attitude that you see just a little attitude change that you celebrate those things you affirm what you want to see in that person and the reality also must be that if that change never comes that there may come a point where you need to grieve the fact that that change may never come So you may be a wife, and you realize that after years that your husband will never give you the emotional support that you really need. And you grieve that loss, but at the same time are committed to the process that I'm going to stick in this relationship, and I'm going to continue on, and I'm going to continue to pray, and I'm going to continue to do my part, because there might be a day when the miraculous happens. Because we are people of hope, amen? And as people of hope, Romans 15, 13 says this to us. May the God of all hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. That scripture reminds us that we are a people of hope. Do not give up. Be committed to the process. Maybe you need to grieve some piece of that that you may never see, but be committed to continue the process. The reality is, as I conclude is that all of us have the potential to be that difficult person. And let me just talk to each of us. And I would just say to each of us that that all of us, in our relationship with God, have been difficult. That we have all sinned, we've all blown it, we've all done wrong. And I want to invite you to think about, all of us need to think of ourselves, that we at times have been that difficult person. And let me ask you a question. Have you each of you personally accepted the reconciliation, the the fixing of the broken relationship that you can have with God the Father. God loves you. He loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you. So all of us have had this broken relationship, and through the person of Jesus Christ who died for our sins, that relationship that God has with us, his difficult people, can be restored. I would invite you today. You got a card when you came in. Hopefully it was maybe in the the worship folder. And that card says a couple things. It asks for name and phone number or email if you want to do that. If you want someone to, if you need help dealing with the situation or if you just want to put that down, that's great. You don't have to do that. But I would invite your attention down to the bottom of that card and it says, today God I'm inviting you into my life as my Savior. As our worship team comes back up, if you would like to invite Christ, all of us difficult people, if you today Would like to invite Christ into your life today? We're going to have a time of prayer here at the end of our service, and if you'd like to come, these these are places of prayer here at the front. Someone would love to come and pray with you about you having a personal relationship with Christ. Just bring this card down with you, and we would love to pray with you. The other thing that I would say is that I know a lot of you, as you look at that that top blank, God, I'm inviting you to help me today with. Some of us have planks in our eyes. Some of us have specks in our eyes. All of us have needs. And so whatever it is, whether we need help dealing with that other person or if we need help ourselves, maybe I need help drawing a boundary, maybe I need help following through on a consequence, maybe I need it. Whatever help you need, what are you at, inviting God at what point to, invite, to help you with? And just write that down. As you leave today, you could drop those in those boxes. We'd love to pray with you about those needs. You could bring them here. Again, we want to help you. We want God. We want you to invite God in to help you today let's stand this morning. Heavenly Father, God, whether today we realize that we are that difficult person, personally, and we need to ask you into our lives in a personal relationship, whether that's us or maybe we're that person that, that we just, God, we have a difficult person, we're struggling, and we just need your help. We need somebody to pray with us today. God, whatever it is, you speak to us now. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. If you have a need this morning, won't you come as we sing? This morning as we leave this place, the reality is that Jesus Christ has called us not to just love those people that are lovable, but to love the difficult person. So whoever that person is in your life, what God has called you to, God will help you to do. And so as you leave, leave with encouragement that our Heavenly Father goes with you and that he will help you as you invite him in. If you have a need, you'd like to write that need down, we'd love to pray with you. You could drop that in, the, in these offering boxes there at the back as you leave. Give it to one of the ushers. We'd love to pray with you. If you'd like to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior today, one of the staff, or you come find me or someone, we'd love to pray with you about that, about that need as well today. May God bless you as you leave. I uh, also want to just say to you, you may not realize this, this is Cecil Baldwin's, 90th birthday is today so make sure that you find Cecil and uh, give him a little word of encouragement today a great servant that has served our Lord faithfully through the years so we appreciate him also men make sure you come back to the Packers Bears romp tonight uh, downstairs and as you leave if you're here for the first time walk down the, this gathering area all the way to your right there's a place we'd love to give you a little gift to say thank you for being here May God bless you. And remember, as you leave, you've got to make sure you talk to people that you don't know first three minutes after a service concludes. So make sure you talk to somebody as you leave. Let's worship him as we we leave today. Bless you.